All right. Hey, good morning, y'all. It's good to see you. Thanks for being here today. I've enjoyed the last couple weeks of hearing other guys preach, but I've been excited to get back up here and bring the word to you today. We're in the Summer in the Psalms uh, series, week number four. Some of you may be newer to the Bible or church. Maybe you're asking the question, what are the Psalms? Uh, Let me give you a quick definition. The Psalms are a collection of 150 Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers uh, that happened or were written during different periods periods of Israel's history. So they're recorded for us in the Bible right in the middle, uh, right at the heart uh, of the scriptures. Uh, they express a lot of emotion. Uh, they're, they're incredible. And so we've been spending the summer there. Um, we've been re- uh, referring to this resource called everypsalm.com, the Every Psalm Project. Uh, what they do there is they have categorized all 150 psalms into seven different categories. Um, and we've already covered a few of these, psalms of praise week one, psalms of lament uh, week two. Last week we talked about psalms of thanksgiving. Uh, today we'll be talking about psalms of confidence. Uh, and then over the next few weeks, psalms of Uh, kingship, remembrance, and wisdom. Now, these categories aren't biblical per se, but I believe they're helpful uh, to help us understand how um, these kind of uh, flesh out in the Bible. And also, I think, to give us uh, language and words to our prayers and the way that we cry out to the Lord. Uh, And so uh, these are seven categories. Uh, Today, we are talking about uh, a psalm of confidence. A psalm of confidence will be in Psalm 62 uh, this morning. Let me do what we've been doing the last few weeks. I want to read you a definition uh, from everypsalm.com. Psalms of confidence describe the author's trust and faith in God typically with a central image or theme. Psalm 23 is the primary example where David compares God to his shepherd. So talking about psalms of confidence today. When I think about the word confidence, uh, it's, it's weird how different words or thoughts trigger um, memories for you. Um, when I think of the word confidence or confident, my mind goes back to uh, high school. When I was a teenager, uh, I was a strapping young lad, at least in my own mind, um, and there was this young lady who accused me, it was nice, but she accused me of being arrogant. Um, actually, she used a different word. She used the word cocky. And coming up here this morning, I was like, am I allowed to say that as you know, a pastor you know, on the platform? But then I realized we live in the land of the Gamecocks and cocky the Gamecock and all of that. So shout out to you, you fans. But I was like, I think it'll pass this morning. I think I can use that word. But she said, you're, you're, you're a cocky guy. And my response to her was, I'm not cocky. I'm just confident. Uh, and that was like my definition of like, I'm just confident in myself and who I am, you know. Um, I wasn't loud and brash about it, but uh, let me read you a, a dictionary definition and from dictionary.com. Uh, I think this first one is a great definition for confidence. Full trust, belief in the powers, trustworthiness, or reliability of a person or thing. Full trust, belief in the power, trustworthiness, or reliability of a person or thing. So I think that's a great definition, but I think the second one is where our minds tend to go when we think about confidence. Here's how it defines it. Belief in oneself uh, and uh, one's powers or abilities. It's self-confidence, self-reliance, or assurance. So I think when we think of confidence, we, we tend to turn that inward. Like, I have confidence in myself, all right? This was 17-year-old 
me speaking here. I'm confident in me. I'm self-reliant, self-confident. But the psalmists, uh, they call us to put our confidence in a higher, better source. But let me, let me just talk about a few ways, and there's many, many, many ways that we, or things or people that we tend to put our confidence in, typical sources of confidence. So let me just walk through a list here. Um, some of you, like some of these things will, will ring true for you. Sometimes we tend to put our confidence uh, in our looks, our appearance. Uh, some would put their confidence in their intelligence, right? Their smarts, uh, their understanding of things, their wisdom. Uh, some would put their confidence in, uh, or we would tend to put our confidence in our abilities, our abilities to succeed, whether that's athletically or in art or in business world. We put our confidence in our abilities. We put our experience, uh, our our uh, confidence in our experience, like I've been there, I've done that, I know what that's about, so I'm, I'm confident in this, in this area. Uh, some of us would put our confidence in our charm or our charisma or our personality, like we're winsome and so we're confident in ourselves. Uh, sometimes we put our confidence in our reputation or our background, maybe it's a family name or reputation, uh, our accomplishments, what we've accomplished. We can be confident because we've done this, we've achieved so-and-so. Sometimes we put confidence in our bank accounts or in the resources that uh, we have available to us. Sometimes we base our confidence in the approval of others. Y'all, there's so, so, so many things that we can put our confidence in. And again, the, the psalmist, particularly in Psalm 62, calls us to a higher, better source of confidence. And that is the Lord. We've already sung about that this morning. We've already sung my confidence is his faithfulness. And so I just want to read you a few examples from some different psalms of confidence throughout uh, the book of Psalms. So David wrote in Psalm 27, verses 1 through, th through 3, he says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be, what, confident, confident in the Lord. Not in, not in myself, but in the Lord who is my light and my salvation. Psalm 91, 1 and 2, the psalmist writes this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He is the one I have confidence in because he's my refuge. He is my fortress. Psalm 121, let me read these eight verses here. The psalmist writes this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not, and I want you to catch all the times the psalmist writes, he will or he will not do this. This is confidence in his character. Verse three, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's never going to be asleep at the wheel. He's always present and awake and active. Verse number five, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So you see this confidence. It's not in self. 
It's not self-reliance. It's confidence in the Lord. This is who I look to. Verse, uh, chapter, Psalm 125, verse 1 says this, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. So y'all, are y'all getting the idea? There's this confidence that's not in me, not in what I can do, not in what I can produce, not in my achievements. It's in the Lord. He is my light and my salvation and all of these things. And so I want to read Psalm 62 and I invite you, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and grab a hold of that and stand with me. We're going to read through Psalm 62. Special shout out to those of you that are carrying a big Bible and that do that uh, every week, week in and week out. If you don't have a Bible, I would love to put one in your hands. Uh, see me at Next Steps afterwards and I will get one to you. Um, but man, we, we believe this is, uh, and just a reminder that this is God's word. This is truth. This is life. This is God's revelation of himself to us. So he reveals who he is to us through his word. And so we want to honor it today as we read it. Psalm 62, David writes this, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. Verse 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Those of low estate are but, are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are altogether lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion, set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Verse 11, once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. This is God's word. Amen. Pray with me. God, thank you for... Your word, thank you for the opportunity that we have to have your words, the revelation of who you are and what you are like. God, we don't have to guess or try to figure it out. God, you have recorded it in uh, the word, the word of God, your word. You've revealed it to us. So God, thank you for uh, disclosing uh, who you are to us and making yourself available to be known by us. And God, this morning as we gather, as we look into the Psalms, I pray that you would open our eyes, you would open our hearts to whatever it is that you want to speak to us about, God, where we may be placing our confidence, Lord, who ultimately deserves our trust and our confidence, which is you. So God, would you you speak to us, would you draw us near, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all, thank you for standing with me. Why don't you have a seat? 
So Psalm 62, a psalm of confidence. Let me give you just a brief background on Psalm 62. This is a psalm of of David. David wrote this. Uh, David was king of Israel. This psalm is usually divided up into three parts, and it's divided up by that word uh, selah. We saw this last week. John mentioned that word means it's a musical uh, pause or rest. We see it twice in this chapter. So you have usually the, the psalm is divided into three parts, verses one through four, the word Selah versus uh, the next four verses, Selah, and then the last four verses of the psalm. That's typically how it's, it's divided up. Um, it's written by David who, uh, it's generally believed uh, that when this was written uh, was when David was dealing with his son Absalom's rebellion against him. So 2 Samuel 13 through 19 was when this story takes place. David's family was in disarray. Uh, Absalom was um, conspiring to become king uh, in David's place. And so he's gathering people to himself and he's, he's kind of setting up a coup. Uh, to take over his father's throne. And so David is actually at this point fearful for his life and he is forced to flee from Jerusalem. And this is the time when David is, is writing this. Ultimately, God thwarted Absalom's plan to, to take over his father's kingdom um, and, and God delivered David. But as y'all can imagine, there's a lot of stress and distress going on in David's life at this point, where there's this uprising within his own family. And so at this point, he writes Psalm 62, uh, and he, he expresses this supreme confidence in the Lord as his enemies are trying to take him down. And so this is why, and I'll, I'll, I'll reference Psalm uh, 62, verses 3 and 4, if you kind of look back at this. This is why in verse 3, he, he makes this declaration. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall? a tottering fence. Verse four, they only plan to thrust him down from his high position. So here he's speaking as the king and his enemies and his own son is trying to remove him, take him down from this high position. And so this is, this is the background. This is what is, is stirring in David as he writes this psalm of confidence in the Lord. And so there's, there's a central image you know, if you go back to the, the definition we saw earlier, there's a central image in this psalm of confidence, and it's actually four uh, phrases that we see repeated throughout uh, Psalm 62. The central image is this, the Lord is my rock, the Lord is my salvation, the Lord is my fortress, the Lord is my refuge. He's my rock, my salvation, my fortress, my refuge. You see this over and over that he is strong, that he is my safe place that I can run into and find rest and, and, and safety. And so this is the central image we see throughout Psalm 62. Now, what I want to do for the next few minutes is I just want to look at four things about confidence, confidence in the Lord that I see from, from Psalm 62 and the psalmist David. Here's the first thing about confidence is that confidence is grounded in God. Confidence is grounded in God. And I could add a little parenthesis that would say not self, not self, because every single one of us on a day-to-day basis, our confidence and our trust, what we trust in, tends to uh, come back to ourselves. We trust ourselves and our abilities and all of those things. But confidence, biblical confidence that we're talking about today is grounded in God. I want you to go back to verses one and two and then verses five and six. Uh, I've heard this called the only psalm. 
Because over and over you hear it refer, God referred to as God only or God alone. Look at back at verse number one. David starts out by saying, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Drop down to verse number five. Again, he's kind of repetitive here, but he says the same thing. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Verse six, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. So you see this confidence from David that is grounded in not himself, but in God, in the Lord. And, and here's the truth. Here, here's the reality of this is no thing or no one else can save or satisfy me. No thing or no one else can save or satisfy me because every, everything else, everyone else, all else will fail me. All else will fail me. Everyone else will fail me because we are broken, imperfect, even incapable of satisfying uh, us no thing or no one else can save or satisfy. I mean, I want to go to Psalm 20, verse 7, another psalm of David where David expresses his trust in the Lord. He says this, some trust in chariots and some in horses. So let me pause there for a second because this is not like 2023 language, right? We wouldn't be like, well, you know where my confidence is? It's in my chariots. You know what I'm saying? I would be super impressed and confident if you owned a chariot and a fleet of horses. I would be super impressed, but that's typically not how we speak, right, today. But David, remember David was king. He was over, you know, a kingdom. He had an army. He, he like most kings and kingdoms, there was trust in, in his chariots and his his horses, because you know what? The more horses and chariots you had, the more powerful you were, that you could dominate and, and rule. But David, King David says this, some trust in their chariots, some in horses, but we, the people of God, trust in the name of the Lord our God. We don't trust in our stuff. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Our, our, our hope, our confidence is rooted, it's grounded in God and him alone. He is the one that we trust. Now, I want to make this, uh, I want to say this word here is this doesn't mean that we don't trust people. Uh, some of us would say, okay, I'm, I'm, trust, I'm going to trust in God alone. Don't trust anybody else. Maybe you've been hurt. Uh, and so you would say, man, I have a hard time trusting people. I'm not, this isn't saying don't trust people because here's what I'm telling you. If, if you don't trust people in your life, if you find it hard to trust people, you will lead a sad, joyless life. So, but there's a difference between trusting people and trusting in, putting your confidence in them. Trust people, trust in the Lord. This is where our confidence is to be placed, in the Lord, not in yourself, not in others, not in anything. Confidence is grounded in God. That's the first thing we see here. Here's, here's the second thing, and I think this is so important. Confidence is quiet. Confidence is quiet. Go back to verses one and five. David repeats this phrase. He says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Verse five, almost, a, almost an exact repeat of what he says in verse one. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. 
So let me ask you a question that, I, that we hate as followers of Jesus. How well do you wait? How well do you wait? Do you wait well? Do you wait in silence? Uh, I think our definition of waiting in silence, like if you've ever been in a, a waiting room, our, our current day definition of waiting in silence is, let me get my phone out and scroll, <laughs> right? Face on the screen, you don't hear a peep from me because I'm engrossed in this, right? Th that's not what he's talking about. He's waiting in silence. There's a, let me make, say this phrase, confidence is not loud, it's not frantic, it's not flailing, it's not busy. Confidence is still, calm, quiet, soul work. Confidence, it's not loud. It's not frantic. It's not flaming. It's not trying to figure out things. It's, it's not bold and brash and shouting out how confident you are. Confidence in the Lord is still, and it's calm, and it's quiet. It's, it's soul work. And I want to go to another psalm of confidence, Psalm 131. David, again here, writes expressing his confidence in the Lord. He says this, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I don't occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. In other words, there's all these things that I, I can't figure out, but I'm not, I'm not busy trying to find out what you're doing or figure out what's going on. No, verse number two, he says this, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Here's the illustration, like a weaned child with its, with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. It's calm, it's quiet, it's at rest. Verse three, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So there's this confidence, it's still, it's calm, it's, it's quiet. At this point, it's, it's absolutely impossible for me to not mention Psalm 46, verse 10, where the psalmist says, be still and what? Know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. There's something that, that stillness and silence before the Lord communicates. When we can be still and silent, when we can calm our souls before the Lord, it communicates faith. It communicates, God, I will trust you while I wait. Let me say that again. I will trust you while I wait. While I wait for this circumstance to blow over, for it to get better, for it to go away, for my circumstances to change, while I'm waiting, God, for you to move, I'm, I'm gonna trust you. I have confidence that you will move, that you will act, that your faithfulness is true. I can trust you while I wait because you are my rock, you are my salvation, you are my fortress, you are my refuge. So confidence is, is quiet. Confidence is grounded in God. Two, confidence is quiet. Here's a third thing I see from David the psalmist. Confidence produces stability. Confidence produces stability. Have you all ever had a period or season of your life or maybe some of you would be like, this is my entire life that would be qualified by the statement, like the, the phrase instability, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, man, it just is all over the place. I can't find stability in my life. Many of us go through seasons of that. Um, confidence, confidence in the Lord produces stability. Now, I want you to go back to verse number two. Here's what David says. He says, he alone, God alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be greatly 
shaken. So I want to spend a minute on that phrase there, I shall not be greatly shaken. We already were singing that earlier in the first song. Uh, that, that word there, shaken, in the King James translation, uh, it uses the word moved. I shall not be greatly moved. So there's this idea of being shaken or being flustered or, or rattled or like wavering. You know what I'm saying? And the psalmist says, I won't be greatly shaken. I won't be greatly moved. Why? Because he says, God is my rock. When you're attached to a rock, you're not going to get rattled so much. And so he expresses this confidence in the Lord who is his rock. Let me, let me make this point about stability and about confidence. Confidence is something that grows or lessens over time. Confidence grows or lessens over time. So just think of some examples like any relationship in your life that is an ongoing relationship if you've had it over a number of months or even years, your confidence and your trust in that person, that relationship, it either grows and increases or it lessens, it decreases, right? Think about, you know, if you're married and your spouse, hopefully your trust and confidence in your spouse increases. Um, think about friendships, working relationships, bosses, coworkers, teammates, like our trust and confidence in people, it either grows or it goes down over time. Uh, think about this, your confidence in church leadership uh, either increases over time or it grows, right? Um, let me just say this, uh, I'm excited that Friday, this past Friday, June 23rd, uh, our family and, and I got to celebrate four years uh, of being here at Friendship uh, Church. Uh, so four years, 2019, June 23rd, we rolled into this place and by God's grace, we're still here. So uh, I'm excited to celebrate that. Um, hopefully, if you've been here for four plus years or even the last year or two, hopefully what's happening is your confidence and your trust in our church leadership continues to increase. Uh, if not, then um, we might see you later. <laughs> um, hopefully stick around and you're growing in confidence uh, here. Think about your, your confidence, your relationship with the Lord. If, if he has any sort of track record in your life, you've seen his faithfulness at play in your life, then over time what happens is your confidence, your trust in him increases and it grows. Because here's what happens is when we first come to faith, we start following Jesus. We're kind of immature spiritually. We're still learning things. Like we, we don't have this track record of God working in our life and being good and being faithful and, and proving himself. And so we're kind of marked by immaturity and instability. But man, as we follow the Lord and as we trust him with the big things and the little things and God proves himself faithful, our confidence in him grows. And it increases over time. And as it does, it produces stability in our lives. And I want you to see David, even in Psalm 62, we see this increasing confidence, even from verse 2 to verse number 6. Verse number 2, he says the phrase, I shall not be greatly shaken. Verse number 6, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. Notice the difference here. He says, I shall not be shaken. He leaves out that word greatly. I shall not be greatly shaken. And then he comes along and says, you know what? I'm not going to be shaken at all. I'm not going to be moved at all because he only is my rock and my salvation. Y'all, if we are growing in our faith, the truth is that our confidence in the Lord, there ought to be like a year over year increase in our confidence and trust in the Lord. 
So today on June 25th, 2023, our confidence and trust in the Lord ought to be stronger than it was on June 25th, 2022. And on June 25th, 2021. And on June 25th, 2020. Right? It ought to be increasing because we've seen the Lord at work. And so this is what the psalmist says. He says, man, I am confident in my rock, in my salvation. I'm not going to be greatly shaken. No, I won't even be shaken at all because I'm confident in him. And it produces stability in my life. So confidence is grounded in God. Confidence is quiet. Confidence produces stability. Uh, actually, let me, let me share this uh, example with you too. Uh, on Saturday, I got the opportunity um, to perform a wedding uh, here, a small wedding with some folks. And uh, uh, the groom's uh, mom uh, was in attendance. And uh, gosh, what, she was 80-something in her 80s, um, but her husband had uh, gone on to be with the Lord about seven years prior, but she said, okay, my husband was a pastor. We were married and in ministry for 53 years. And I was like, wow, that's amazing that you survived both of those things for 53 years. Uh, but here she is seven years later, um, and all, all I got from her was, man, she is still faithful, so faithful to the Lord. And she's talking to us about opportunities that she had to uh, witness to folks in the grocery store. And I'm like, I'm watching, listening to her faith and observing and going, man, this is amazing to listen to and observe the faith of a woman in her 80s who has seen so much life and, and ministry and turmoil and adversity and all those things. And here she is faithful. I see stability in her life. Why? Because for 53 plus years, she's been following the Lord and her, her trust and her confidence has grown and grown and grown and grown. And here she is on her own and she's still trusting the Lord. Why? Because confidence in the Lord produces stability. It does over time. Here's a fourth thing, fourth and final thing about confidence from Psalm 62. Confidence can rest on the one who owns power and love. I know that's a wordy sentence, but let me say it again. Confidence can rest on the one who owns power and love. So when I originally wrote out this fourth point, I, I, I worded it, confidence can rest on one who is strong and loving, which is good and it's true, but uh, I felt like the language wasn't clear and strong enough to reflect what David says. Confidence can rest on the one who owns power and love. And we see what, see this by what he declares at the end of Psalm 62. So I want you to go to Psalm 62 verses 7 and 8 with me. I, I believe these two verses are, are the heart of, of this psalm. Here is what David says. He says, on God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. That word rests is so strong. Like Everything, my whole life, everything within me rests upon God. It doesn't rest on me, my ability, my know-how, my wisdom, my experience. It rests on the Lord. Verse number eight. So in light of that, he says this. He encourages, he preaches to the people. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart 
before him. God is a refuge for us. Trust in him at all times, oh people. Pour out your heart before him. You can trust him. Why? Because he's a refuge for us. He is our rock, our mighty rock and our refuge. And then he goes on to verses 9 and 10 and he, he says this, those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are altogether lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. So this seems like an interesting twist in the psalm, but basically what David is doing here is he's referring to some of those things we talked about that we tend to put our, our hope and our confidence in. If I could classify it by two words, I'd say men and money. Men and money, we put our, our hope and our confidence and our trust in people and in our resources and our money. But here's, here's what David says. He says, nothing else other than the Lord can hold up under the weight of our confidence. There's nothing else that can hold up under the weight of our confidence. Not, not men, no matter their social status, whether they're of low, low estate or high estate. They can't carry the weight of our confidence. They will fail us. And he says, not money. Money can't hold up under the weight of our confidence, no matter how it's gained, whether it's righteously, if they increase, or whether it's unjustly through extortion or robbery. He mentions these weird ways that money can be gained. Basically what he's saying is, anything other than the Lord that you could put your confidence and your hope in will fade or fail. This is what he says. Nothing else can carry the weight of our confidence. F.B. Meyer, old theologian, said it this way. Men and money are lighter than air. And he kind of is referencing verse 9 where it says that they, they are together lighter than a breath. Men and money are lighter than air, but God endures. His performances, unlike man's, weigh heavier than his promises. In other words, what, what he's saying here, F.B. Meyer, he says, like, as, as humans, we tend to talk um, pretty strongly, but our, our actions don't always back it up. Our words are heavier or stronger than our actions. But he says, not so with the Lord. His performances, unlike man's, are way heavier than his promises. How often we have looked for help from men and money in vain, but God has never failed us. And, and so I want to move on to verses 11 and 12 Here's what David kind of ends this psalm saying. He says, once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. So let me pause right there and, and say this, that when God speaks twice, y'all, you better listen up, right? Do y'all have, have like a mama or a father, or like somebody who was like, man, don't make me say this twice, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You better pay attention. In the scriptures, repetition is God's highlighter. Repetition is God's highlighter. So when he mentions something once, we ought to pay attention. But when he says something two times, man, this is God's highlighter. He's emphasizing something. Pay attention to what is being said here. And here's what David says. Verse number 11. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. What have you heard, David? I've heard that power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love for you will render to a man according to his work two things that belong to god he says power belongs to god some things some people are powerful 
but there's only one who owns power. There's only one to whom power belongs. It is the Lord. Power belongs to the Lord. And then he says, not only does he own power, he owns, or, or this belongs to him, steadfast love. Steadfast love. We mentioned this, man, somewhere along the way last year when we were going through the, new, the, the Old Testament, hesed, this steadfast love of God. That's the Hebrew word that means this never gives up, never runs out kind of love that God has for us. It never gives up on us. It never runs out on us. This is the steadfast, unchanging, unconditional love of God for us. This belongs to him. First John 4 makes a statement. It says, God is love. Not just God is loving. God is in his nature a loving God. No, God is love. This is who he is. So, do me a favor for a second. Think about, think about the person in your life that you would say, this person loves me the most. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's your mama or a father, a friend. Who loves you the most? And I see some people turning to the neighbor next to them and going, is that you? <laughs> um, who loves you the most? Well, let me just say this. Whoever that is, whoever's in your mind, God loves you more. Y'all ever play that dumb game where you're like, I love you. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. That's, you know, that sickening thing. Um, <laughs> God one-ups everybody. He says, I love you more than anyone ever could. Infinitely, dramatically more. Because steadfast love belongs to me. You can only love because I first loved you. Steadfast love belongs to the Lord. The Lord is, think about his power, think about his steadfast love. The Lord is powerful enough to forgive your sin and loving enough to not ignore your sin. I want to pause here for a second. The Lord is powerful enough to forgive your sin. So, his power, this is, this is the extent of his power, that he can forgive, he can cleanse, he can wipe away all of your sin against him, all of the things you have done in, in offense to him, all of those things, which even one of them would send you and I into hell for all of eternity. He has the power to forgive and to cleanse and to create in you, to make you a new creation by his power. He is the only one that has the power to do that. You and I could never, ever, ever do enough good, give enough money, attend church enough, say amen enough, be Christian enough or religious enough to ever wipe away or to erase your sin. Y'all, we, we never, ever, ever have the power to do that. There is only one who has that kind of power, and it is the one to whom power belongs is Jehovah God. He is powerful enough to forgive your sin, but at the very same time, he is loving enough to not ignore your sin. Y'all, it, it would be one thing if he was just powerful enough to wipe our slates clean. But he had to be loving enough to do something to erase and to cleanse and to forgive our sin. 
if all he could do was for was had the power to forgive but he never loved us enough to sacrifice himself to become a man in the person of Jesus and come and lay his life down for us man we would be stuck headed toward hell for all of eternity he is not just a God who is powerful. He is loving. He doesn't leave us in our sin. He has done the work. He has done everything necessary to forgive us and make a way for us to be forgiven, to have a relationship with God. This is the good news of the gospel, that he loves us so much that he did something about it. First John 4 that says God is love. John goes on to say this in 1 John 4, 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. This is a way that we could see it clearly up close, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Why? Because we're, we're dead men walking. We're dead in our sins and our trespasses, Ephesians 2 says. But God in his love sent his son to us so that we might live through him, verse 10, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That big word just means that he satisfies the wrath and the judgment of God that was sitting on all of us because of our sin that we could never pay for. We'd spend all eternity paying for it and we could never pay it off. But he loves us in such a way with steadfast love that he came and he offered himself for us. This is the power and the love of God most on display in the person and the work of Jesus for us. This is the gospel. This is what we proclaim today. And so what do we do with all of this? How can we live in light of, of what we see in Psalm 62? I'll say it this way. We can have full confidence in Christ alone because he is our rock solid refuge. We can have confidence in Christ alone, not ourselves, not circumstances, not others. We can have confidence in Christ alone because he is our rock solid refuge. He is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my fortress. He is my refuge. Did you all when, when you were a kid, did you ever play anybody ever play tag? You ever play tag, you know, chasing? There's like the simplest game, a lot of life lessons in there. The number one lesson is like when people are chasing you, run. <laughs> um, there's all other kinds of fun lessons in tag. But I remember when I was in elementary school as a kid, uh, running around playing tag during recess. I was reminiscing this morning during first service. I was like, oh, I miss days of recess. Do they even have recess anymore? Shane, do we have recess? Okay, still some in elementary school. Um, I remember playing tag, first, second, third grade. And I don't know, if this may be just the way that tag is played, but in our version of tag in Ohio, which may be totally different than South Carolina tag, I don't know. But there was, we had like a home base. Y'all ever have a home base where like, if someone's chasing you, it's not like, I mean, you'd run in circles, but then you could run and put your hand or stand at, you know, at home base and you are what? You're safe, right? So hold on to the slide or the swings or whatever. And I'm safe. Okay. You can't, so you'd be like, eh, you can't get me. I'm safe. And then you like take your hand off and be like, eh, I'm safe, not safe, safe. Not. So play that whole game. Like I just think about that because this is the idea of the Lord who is our safe place. He's our refuge that we can run to and find peace and safety there. We can find, he is our fortress. Like nothing is gonna knock him over. Nothing's gonna knock him down. He is our salvation. He is our, our rock 
that we can stand firmly upon and we won't be shaken. This is who God is. We can have confidence in Christ alone because he is our rock solid uh, refuge. And I think kids, you know, talking about a kid's game, but think about kids. Kids are in scripture and in life, like the perfect example of confidence and trust. This is why Jesus over and over talks about like the childlike faith uh, that we're to have, just like kids, because you think about kids and uh, man, kids' confidence and trust uh, when they're young, when they're, uh, you know, toddlers, especially and like, man, they'll run and jump in your arms. They'll jump off a platform or jump off the pool or jump off a cliff, you know, if you're there to catch them, right? Uh, They'll jump in your arms. They'll run to you with their hurts and their fears and their struggles. Uh, They're dependent. They're very needy. Uh, with their parents. They don't yet, they haven't hit the teenage stage. They, not, they have not yet figured it all out, right? They don't yet know it all. Uh, and, and here's the reality, and this isn't a bad thing, but the reality is that the older you get, the less you need your parents, right? The less dependent upon them you are. You become more independent. You become more self-reliant, you become more self-confident, and this is a good thing, not a bad thing. I don't want my 40-year-old son in my basement playing, you know, PlayStation. I want him to be self-reliant and independent, yes, but the goal, the goal for us, all of us, as, as children growing up, it's not to become, and this is going to fly in the face for some of you, because you're like, mm, this is this is how I parent, this is how I see life. The goal is not for us or for kids to become more self-confident and independent and less needy. No, the goal is that our confidence and our dependence and our neediness would transition from our parents, not to ourselves, but to the Lord to the Lord. And so in that respect, parents are just a placeholder for God. I'm to show you what the Lord is like so that you can trust in and have confidence in this, this God who is a rock, who's never going to fail you like I do. He's going to be a refuge and a fortress for you. It's never going to fail you. I want you to be confident and trust in this God who has the power that I could never have as a parent, who loves you with a love that, I'll, that is beyond anything that I'll ever have for you. This is, this is the goal, is for us to become more dependent and more needy of the Lord and for our confidence to rest upon him. God calls us to be like kids, to jump, you know, all out, trusting into his arms, confident that he's going to catch us, confident that he is powerful and loving enough to catch us. And so I want to ask you a question this morning, and it just all kind of boils down to this question. Where's your confidence? Where's your confidence today? Is your confidence uh, in the Lord, your rock, your salvation, your fortress, your refuge, or is there something else that your confidence is is resting on? Is it focused on yourself? Do you tend to be super self-confident in whatever it is that you bring to the table, whatever you've accomplished, whatever your circumstance, whatever your position, that again, by the way, all of that stuff will fade or will fail. Is your confidence in anything other than the Lord? Maybe let let me ask it in a different way. Is there an area of your life right now where your confidence has been shaken? And you know, it's okay to be honest. It's okay to say yes. 
And this is what trust is about. It's saying, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not seeing the end of the story, but I will trust you while I wait. This is confidence in our rock-solid refuge. You know, in Philippians 3, in the New, New Testament, Paul, uh, one of the marks he, 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 he describes of a follower of Jesus, the people of God, he says, one of the marks of a follower of Jesus is this, we put no confidence in the flesh. You know what that means? It means I... I don't trust myself for anything. I don't trust that I'm good enough, smart enough, whatever, talented enough, wise enough. No, my confidence isn't in myself. I put no confidence in myself. I put my confidence in the Lord. I worship him, who he is, what he has done, and what he can do. That is where my confidence lies. And so this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where your confidence is. Maybe your confidence is in, in a different place today than it was last week. Today is really simply just a call to, again, or maybe for some of you, for the very first time ever, put your confidence in the, the only one who could bear the weight of your confidence, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to sing a song this morning to close. I'm going to invite you all to stand, our worship team, to come forward. We're going to sing a song that we've sung before. It's a song called Firm Foundation. Kind of the, the tagline is, he won't. He won't. And this is really a song of confidence that Christ is our foundation. He is the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, you know what? I won't be shaken because my trust is in the Lord. And so let me pray, and we're going to... We're going to sing to the Lord, and I want to encourage you to sing to him a song of confidence. Amen. And God, thank you for who you are and all that you have done. Thank you for the power that you own that belongs to you, steadfast love that is, is who you are. You love us with a love that never runs out and never gives up. God, thank you for loving us in that kind of a way. Lord, you are able to bear the weight of our confidence because you are our rock, you are our salvation, you are our fortress, you are our refuge. And so, Lord, this morning we sing to you. You are our firm foundation. And Lord, for anyone in here this morning who has never put their their full the full weight of their confidence and trust in you, they've been trusting in themselves their abilities, their achievements, or whatever it is, God, I pray that today would be a day that you would break them of that, where they would bow the knee to you and they would put their confidence and trust in you and you alone. Lord, for all of us, may you be the one our confidence is grounded in. You are our firm foundation. You won't let us down. You won't fail us. And God, we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.